Hey everyone, welcome back to our Revival Recap. Uh, today we're chatting about highlights from our Saturday night meeting. I'm Clint Davis, I'm here with our senior leader, Renee Evans. Hey Renee. Hi, how's it going? Good, good, thank you. Hey, um, a South African and Australian in Texas, <laughs> this has got to be good. You I know, know Southern Hemisphere represent. <laughs> <laughs> you make it sound like rugby now. now it's like right? Southern versus Northern. <laughs> but yeah, here we are. So I think we'll just go like three or four hours and just have our say. <laughs> well, I can talk that long, so you don't want to tempt me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm on that train, no doubt about it. People know that. Uh, awesome. Good to be chatting with you. Um, where is Joaquin? Joaquin is actually taking a couple of days and he is writing. So, um, yes, I kicked him out of the house and out of the office because he just, you know, gets distracted by the kids at home and gets kind of distracted here in the office as well. So I said, you just need to go away for a few days and you just need to start writing because he's had a book on his heart for a long time. And so just trying to create some space for him to, to write uninterrupted. I love it. That's amazing. All right. No pressure. No pressure on him. <laughs> I'm expecting him to come back with a New York Times bestseller. Absolutely. Nothing less. <laughs> Nothing less. Awesome. So, uh, Saturday was cool. It was interesting, not without challenge, but uh, why don't you give me a brief uh, overview of how Saturday was for you, some things that stood out, What basically what happened on Saturday? Yeah, I think Saturday was, it got great. Um, I, do, I think it started really kind of a little strange and even as a leadership team up the front we weren't really sure what was happening we're like oh it just feels like this kind of this blanket of um, lethargy and we weren't even really sure we couldn't really pinpoint what it was and um, kind of later within worship found out that there was a convention that's being held by some uh, sort of a new age uh, witchcrafty kind of convention that's being held in town and we were like oh that's what's happening so as soon as we uh, figured it out, you know, I think Joaquin got up and, and shared from the stage and something just broke through. And then, you know, the last parts of worship were just amazing. Um, so that was great. That's amazing. I mean, that really does. That is an example of the difference between just coming together and doing ritual church meeting type thing and actually yes. picking up what's in the spirit. Yeah. And realizing the battle's real, you know. Yeah, and creating a shift, you know, and yeah. try and yeah, and putting our stake in the ground. I think it's it was really important. I actually love Saturdays like that because mm. I don't love it necessarily that they're in our town, um, but I love learning about different spiritual aspects, and I can come under a spiritual atmosphere without really knowing what I'm coming under, and so then I'm just learning by asking questions all the time and um, getting better at it, but. Yeah, just figuring out what's me and what's the atmosphere and what's God and what's not God, you know. So it's really, it's, it's really helpful for me. That's amazing. I appreciate that leadership. And it's good to know. And it's challenging as well for people in the congregation to start to pick up on those things and be able to pray and worship right. uh, accordingly. I know we've got some real giants in, yes. in our community. <laughs> we but do. Uh, it's a challenge to everybody, really, to realize the reality of that battle and to stand your ground. Yeah, I think coming in, like, it's all about, I think, being self-aware as well. You know, like when you come in, if you come in and you're feeling great and then you come in to worship and you just all of a sudden start getting really tired or you just really don't want to kind of push in and push through, like that's probably not you. And so just paying attention to yourself and how you're feeling in different moments and knowing what you feel like when you're in a place of thriving and then what you feel like when you're not. And so being able to kind of differentiate, is this me or is this, is this something that's happening to me? Yeah, that's great advice. 
Um, it's actually quite amazing that that happened on Saturday. Um, there's an author, well, a biblical scholar by the name of Michael Heiser who speaks about communion being one of the stakes in the ground that really does impact against the enemy. Yes. And we ended up having communion on I Saturday. I know. I know. I was so happy about that. So we did it differently. What was that like for you? And maybe tell me something about what's personal for you about communion. You know, I, I like have such a serious stance on communion, which um, I think, you know, we definitely need to know what we're getting into. I think before, like we shouldn't just take communion just, you know, because we're Christians, but like really coming to that place of like understanding what it means to take the elements and not to make it a ritual or not to make it like religion, but just to really even count the cost of what you're putting in your mouth. Like you're, you're putting in your mouth, like the broken body of Jesus. Like, is that what we're thinking of? Or is it just like, Oh, it's communion again. It's communion Sunday. No, it's like, no, like this has so much power if we give it power. And I think Joaquin hit it really well. He said that, um, you know, he was talking to the Lord one day and the Lord said that he's really bringing back two kind of, I would sort of call them power punches in the kingdom, which have been turned into religion. And that was water baptisms and communion. And so that's what we've kind of, we feel like it's a word over our church. Um, we were given that word actually from Brian Simmons last year that, um, the Lord wants to do communion with us. And so we've just been delving into what that looks like. We take communion as a team and just, um, yeah, we, we're really focusing on communion this year and kind of like what it represents and the deeper meaning behind it, not just the religion. That's awesome. It's, it's fantastic. That's, and the way we did it as well, people going to get the elements, there's, I don't know, there's just this sense of a journey, yes. a journey of remembrance, a journey toward Jesus every day. Yeah. You know, it's, I just love that and kind of went hand in hand with your message, which we'll get to shortly. Yeah. Um, but part of that journey as well, I'll just slide it in here real quick, is the foundations course uh, that Chris mentioned. Yeah. Um, super excited about that. That's basically really from New excited. Believers. really excited, yes. That was one of the first courses I ever um, I ever taught when I became a believer or when I became kind of a leader in the church was a discovery course for new believers. And I tell you what, nothing keeps you hungrier than just watching people who have just found Jesus, like, you know, eating up everything that they can get about, you know, this amazing Christian walk that we get to do every day. So it's, it's really fun from a teacher and a leader's standpoint, but... Um, you know, it's just such a pivotal class for people to really just get the basics um, and just find out the power in the basics. Someone got healed last week. They prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit over the class last week. So it's a it's a great class to come in and um, just have an introduction into into Holy Spirit and Jesus and relationship. That's amazing. And I mean, it's called Foundations for a reason, because it should be all of our foundation. Right. It's a, it's a very, very sad and almost disruptive thing where people rush past the the foundation of yeah. the gospel and those foundational truths just into, it could even be serving in the church or just into community, but rushing past what you're actually um, stepping into right. in the greater scheme of things. I actually never think it's a bad idea every few years to kind of even just go back into something like that. Because like, like I said, other people's hunger, it affects you and you become hungry again for the things you used to be hungry for. And I think sometimes those foundational elements, we the further along in our journey we are, the more we take them for granted, you know. And so just to kind of every now and then come back to the real basics of the gospel I think is just wise for every Christian. I think if you've been doing it for 10 years or 70 years, like sometimes I say to Joaquin, I feel like some of the things I'm preaching on are just 
so simple. And he's like, yeah, but sometimes we need the simple, you know, like we need to kind of come back to the simple and not get too complicated. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> right, right. And uh, yeah, I love both sides of the spectrum. But yeah, you're right. Remember that the gospel is given to fishermen. So, right. You know, I mean, I'm not a good fisherman. I can't catch a thing. I'm actually all. pretty awesome. Are I'm you? Not well, you're Australian. You should well, be able to survive. I know, you know? I know. I grew up like with my dad taking me fishing, so I love fishing. You guys are out on the island there, you know. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so your sermon, I love this topic. I just absolutely love it. Uh, out of Genesis 22, 1 to 14, the three points you raise, sacrifice of control, sacrifice of comfort, sacrifice of calling. There's a lot of sacrifice in there. We don't hear about that a lot in, uh, in certain circles, you know. Why this message? Um, you know, I think I was actually like, what am I going to preach on? Um, I had another message, but I heard that Sherry Silk actually preached some of it. So I was like, dang it, she stole stole my message. No. Um, and so we were in, um, a core team meeting or a service leaders meeting here during the week in the office. And, um, we just started like talking about all the testimonies that are happening, which we always do. And somehow it got, um, it got kind of onto this subject of like, it's worth the sacrifice. Like it's worth the sacrifice to press in, to be hearing these kind of testimonies. And that's when the Lord just told me about, like just started speaking to me about like, it's not just like a ritual again, or a religious act to sacrifice, but like we in and of ourselves must become the offering. And that's the way really that revival will be birthed is through a whole lot of people sacrificing and laying their lives on the altar so that God can come and work through them without their agenda, but with his agenda to bring heaven to earth. That's amazing. Um, Thanks, Apple Watch, for telling me to whatever, stand up or breathe or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It's so demanding, you know. I almost forgot to breathe. I need one of those Apple Watches. (laughs) Exactly right. I was just flopping around on the floor just without breath, you know. Yeah. Um, So the title of your message was, You Are the Offering. You avoided the title, God Likes You Crispy. I don't know if I should thank you for that or press you on that. (laughs) Oh, I just think like... um, I'm always learning to communicate better and I'm kind of new at communicating and preaching. I mean, I've been doing it for a little while here and there, but like on a regular basis, not as much. So I'm constantly learning and someone um, that keeps giving me advice, she's always like, use humor, like humor will get you, um, people will open their hearts to you if you can kind of get in there with some humor, you know, and so (laughs) I always try to add a little (laughs) bit of something funny at the beginning, just so people are like, you know what, this is church, but it doesn't have to be serious. Like, it can be fun. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. I I think I'm going to go with the second title, God Likes You Crispy. I'm like, come on, it's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. If these chicken outlets can sell with something like that, I think think we can preach it. Right? Um, So... (laughs) Let's go through them real quick. Sacrifice control. You spoke about fear feeding control. And certainly yeah. I love the freedom that our leadership team has. Yeah, I'll just um, brag on you guys a little bit <laughs> that I've been under controlling leadership. And this is not that. You guys are really free in this. Um, I mean, what's that, what's that been like for you a little bit, that journey of yeah. going from fear to, to just freedom in leading? Yeah, specifically in leading, I think the person who's taught me the most about this, well, two really, is Bill Johnson and Joaquin, because both of them have just such a, um, they just give so freely of themselves as leaders, and they don't care about people making mistakes around them, where I think we're so programmed to stop the mistake before it happens, that we tend to control people, and we tend to control situations, but they're just 
they just have the, like this unwavering faith in God that he is in control and not them. So I just like learn all the time and like probably even more so now from Joaquin, just sitting under his leadership as well. Cause I'm like, I, I kind of can sometimes be reactive. Like if I get an email or something. <laughs> Emails are your like, pet oh, at the moment. Well, right? I do get them, you know, so, but like, he's like, okay, Renee, don't respond. Like give it 24 hours, 48 hours, like wait till you've kind of calmed down and don't be a reactive leader, you know? And so that's one thing that I'm learning the most, which a reactive leader lacks self-control, you know? Um, but also we sometimes, I remember I was reading a book by Steve Backlund and he said, if we're, if we're too scared that a Judas will come out of our mentoring, then we'll miss out on mentoring 11 world changes. And wow. I think that that sums it up sometimes for us. Like sometimes we're too scared to take the chance on the one, you know, because we're scared of what might happen or we have to extra micromanage them or control them that if we do that, we miss out on like the 11 that we're impacting and who are out there changing the world. So Wow, that's amazing. And even those 11 made mistakes. Totally. And yet the kingdom didn't come crashing down. Right. We're still going thousands <laughs> of years We are not later. as big a deal as we think that's, we are. <laughs> that's probably the point. Just keep it crispy, all right? Yes. Keep it crispy. Um, the sacrifice of comfort, you spoke about the Western world and um, that comparison of the persecuted church. But... I mean, there are people that have even moving here to be part of the plan have sacrificed quite a bit of comfort. Oh, totally. I feel like I really, I mean, we obviously moved here as well, so I get that. And like I said, on Saturday, we don't often preach like the hardships that come with moving here because there really is so much more that God is doing. Like, so we don't ever want to give the enemy too, too big a platform. But at the end of the day, like he is alive and he is kicking and fighting and so we're going to feel that. And like, I made this statement that I heard, I actually, when we first moved here, started listening to Rita Springer a lot and she has this new, well, it's not new anymore, I guess it's like a year and a half old, but, um, she had an um, album out and it was all on spiritual warfare, like almost every single song. And it was like my album of the season. I would put it on in my car and I would worship because it was all about like us sacrificing because we're in a battle and like if you take new ground you declare war on the enemy and I'm always worried if the enemy is not going after you like to me that's a good sign that we're not doing anything for the kingdom so he's not scared you know and so and so for me I'm like we need to sacrifice our comfort if we're going to do what God has called us to do because it's not always roses and Right. And puppy dogs. So. And so, yeah, right. And I mean, there is there are seasons to this as well. You can be in a really great season totally. where you're just flowing and things of God. And I mean, you don't need to feel like, oh, I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm probably not, you know, performing right. There's other seasons that are really rough. And you just need to rest and life just happens yeah. as well. So, I mean, I, I hear your heart. I just want to clarify it. Like it's not a condemnation thing. No. It's a willingness thing. I right? don't think we should sacrifice comfort for comfort's sake. Mm. I think we should be willing to sacrifice comfort when God asks us to sacrifice comfort. Absolutely. Like there are areas in my life that I'm really comfortable in, but I don't feel like the Lord is pressing me to sacrifice in those, you know, in those places. So I'm not saying sell everything you've got, go live in a homeless shelter so that you can be the most effective to the homeless community or whatever. Like I'm definitely not saying that at all. Like there are, there are things about the gospel, even like that God wants us to be healthy. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to be comfortable. He just doesn't want comfort to become our Lord. 
you know, and he doesn't want comfort to become our idol and for us to, to place comfort, um, you know, above his word. And I think one of the, like a great scenario is, um, you know, we, like we have small kids, you know, and a lot of, we've heard from some people like, Hey, it's not really convenient this time of day for my kids because they nap or they want to go to sleep. And I totally get that. Like I have three of them who is meltdown mode on our way home from church. I get it every single week, but I'm also willing to just put them in their pajamas and let them be there at the church until 10 or 11 or 12 o'clock at night. If revival is there, you know, it's like that. Yes. It takes a little bit of my routine, sacrificing of my routine to see God come. But like, I would much prefer for my kids to grow up in that. And I know another thing, like I had this in my sermon notes that I didn't say, but we were itinerant ministers for so long. We traveled with two kids. As soon as Kayla and Asha were both six weeks old, we were off and traveling around the nations and to travel with babies, whoever's done it, they know that you're sacrificing comfort (laughs) to travel with kids and toddlers. And I can't tell you how many like projectile poop stories we have like throwing up stories i don't think we have time we just just don't have time for it you know traveling with babies is not comfortable but we felt a call that our family was to travel together and the revival in the nations that our kids have seen and my i always reference this but my three-year-old praying for a man and seeing him walk for the first time in 19 years i mean nothing no level of discomfort to me like I mean, that's worth every discomfort to see my daughter grow up in that kind of, um, you know, yeah. the kingdom wow. is now. That's amazing. Environment. That is amazing. I, you know, I'm reminded of, um, I think it was Chris Valton that spoke about the discomfort of when he still lived under a poverty mentality that people would give him stuff. Yeah. And even having stuff can be uncomfortable. So it's not a matter of that's a poverty true. mentality. But no. you can be uncomfortable. It's more like a... It's a thing within yourself of, of yeah. willingness to follow God or whatever it costs. I mean, you might be called to be a multimillionaire and reach those totally. people. And that might be an uncomfortable space for you. Yeah. But it's the willingness that defines it. And our comfort is always in different places as well. You know, like, um, yeah, so some it's financial and sometimes it's um, it's other things. Like sometimes it is stopping to pray for someone. And it's almost like the sacrifice of inconvenience rather than it is the sacrifice of comfort some, for the most of our Western world culture. Right. You know? So it's like, you know, I know I was in such a rush yesterday, like just trying to get out the door to be at someone's birthday party last night and leaving the kids, trying to get dinner ready for them all. And, you know, it was just rough, but... We, I got my groceries delivered to my house, which, let me just side note, feel like an absolute genius that I just discovered that you can get your groceries delivered to your house. <laughs> but anyway, the guy who delivered them had an arm brace on and, you know, I'm like, I do not have time right now to stop and engage this man in conversation. I feel like I'm so overwhelmed and anxious to just get the dinner on the table so that we can get out. But like, I felt the Lord say, like, stop and ask if you can pray for him. And so... I did. And I spent, you know, it wasn't long, like five, 10 minutes with this guy praying for his arm and just prophesying over him. And, you know, you come back inside and you're like, oh, okay. If my kids eat 10 minutes later, or if I'm 10 minutes late, like it's worth it. Like, but it's in those moments where we're just choosing, am I going to sacrifice comfort or inconvenience in this moment? Or am I going to like be obedient to the voice of God? And Mm. I say that. And I also preface it by saying he's asked me to do that a lot of times and I haven't done it. Oh, so yeah. I'm not, and I'm we not know that feeling. I do it all the time. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and we know that feeling. Yeah. And then we're like, oh, and you beat yourself up about it. Yeah. But you learn from it. And, totally. And, and, and that's grace. the key. Yeah. Like we need to learn from it. Yeah. Right. 
Um, and then the sacrifice of calling. It is, it is so fascinating how calling can become an idol in your life. Yes. And even not necessarily just your main, whatever you imagine your main calling to be one day, but little callings along the way. Yeah. And little things you might operate in. Maybe just touch on that a little bit about, you know, you, you shared a great, great story about that with you and Joaquin, but the question of God asking, am I all you need? Yeah. Yeah. Like I think, like I was saying, it's such the, we've had it programmed in us from, you know, Sunday school that the answer is yes. But then when he actually stops us and asks us and is, kind of willing to take away the things that, you know, we've become dependent on or the dreams that we are kind of projecting our life towards all of a sudden we're like, oh, maybe you're not all we need. Like maybe you're not all I want. And so I think it's just, it's it's one of those come to Jesus moments, I think. Like definitely apart from salvation, I mean, I say this knowing that obviously salvation was like that greatest, you know, encounter that I had with the Lord, but this was probably the most, the most like significant encounter for me apart from salvation, um, was just realizing like, oh, you know, it really is a sacrifice to live this Christian life. Like it is. But like I said at the end as well, what we get in return from the sacrifice makes our sacrifice just look like, yeah, right. like nothing, right? Because right. like he gives so freely and loves so freely and all the things that he gives us, like peace and hope and joy, like it just, it makes it so worth it. But yeah. there are the moments where we do count the cost and I think it's important that we do, you know. Absolutely. I love this. Um, you said a gospel that teaches only health and wealth without suffering and persecution isn't a full gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and even that can be reversed as well, like a gospel that only teaches suffering and persecution and not health and wealth isn't a full gospel. A hundred percent. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And we do tend to lean towards our preference. Totally. At <laughs> times. Yeah. Hey, I prefer health and wealth over <laughs> suffering and persecution. Absolutely. Um, maybe clarify, what are the day-to-days of that? Because when we speak in our movement in particular, we understand health, wealth, we get that we're not talking prosperity gospel, but there's wealth in the Lord as well. Yeah. Um, but suffering and persecution, we as a Western church and particularly in our sort of expression of church tend to distance ourselves from that and saying, yeah, there's the persecuted church out there. That's great. But we don't really understand suffering and persecution. What are some of the day to days that you, you yeah. might uh, think are implications to that? Yeah. I mean, it's all on different degrees. The, the chances that most of us are ever going to fr- face prison for our beliefs and our faith is not likely. Um, but I mean, a great example was I got a message and this was before the, the sermon, but from a friend of mine, she's in high school and she's someone that I just, I love and um, try to speak into her life as much as possible. And she's just an amazing young girl. But she messaged me and she was just saying like how she's suffering from some persecution in her school because she is one of the very few people in there that believes that abortion isn't right. And so she kind of reached out and she was like, how do I, how do I navigate this? I feel like I'm getting so, people are calling me disgusting because I don't believe in abortion. Wow. And she's, you know, so that is very real persecution for a 16 year old. You know, she's standing up for her faith and she is feeling the brunt of that and she's being persecuted for that. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just like, as cliche as it may sound, I'm like, I think when I was a young Christian, like my whole goal was to make people believe what I believed, you know, 
Mm. I thought that I thought that the wow, gospel. Wow, that's so true, right? right? When we're young, we do, we do. Yeah. That. yeah. Well, and we think that that's Christianity. That and we when need we're to brought into the faith, people. and we're just like, oh, I'm so yeah. excited about this. Everybody needs to yes. believe this. How I do? What's wrong with you? It's true. Yeah. And even to, in today's society, even like now, I'm like, I have to constantly remind myself, oh, it's not my job to get people to think like me. It's my job to lead people to Jesus. And then it's the Holy Spirit's job to mold them and to convict them. And do I want everyone to believe that abortion is murder? I do. I really do. But it's actually not my job to convince them. So I don't think how many, and I'm all for like, protesting in love if that's what you feel like you're called to do but for me personally I'm like oh I actually think me loving them into the kingdom is going to be more significant and fruitful than me debating with them and and trying to jam truth down there right and there's something about speaking the truth in love but I think we falter on that where we want to speak the truth but remember that the end game is love from above yeah and yeah, we do need to lead them there. You, I mean, you just can't change a mindset by arguing. Right, with you can't. Words. You really do yeah. need God to step in. And if and you change do change someone's mindset with your words, then they can easily be undone from someone else's words. Right. So really, the the thing that's going to stick is encounters with the Lord, not right. encounters with us. Right. Yeah. We live in a world of postmodernism and relativism, where what's mm-hmm. right for you is not necessarily right for me, or well, that's right. the perception. But there are these absolutes of God. Yeah. And so we need to try and lead people towards the absolutes the whole time. Yes, it's true. And I think I think as well, like um, with some of the issues that are coming up, some people think you're wishy-washy if you take the stance on love. And it's like, well, you know what? Is that I, an American thing as well, wishy-washy? It's a wishy-washy. South African thing is and an Australian thing. Is that what they say in, in America? I don't, I don't know, know, but it is now. You don't have a choice. You're listening to us. Wishy-washy. So. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I say things and, and people are like, I have no idea what you're saying. Yeah, you're right. So, you know, interpret at your own. <laughs> you're right, mate. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's just like, oh gosh, we, we keep arguing and... But at the same time, I don't think, I think if the Lord is asking you to stand up for a situation that you should not fear in standing up for that. And there have been, I don't often use social media as a platform to speak my political agenda or like my core values on like homosexuality and all of that kind of stuff. Because I'm like, it's not, it's not, I mean, I have my own views of what that is, but I do not think that social media is one of the places that we do that. But I also know that it's a very big conduit of society right now and if the Lord asks you to post something or to stand up for something, then we need to not have fear and we need to be able to do that, yet holding in balance that that actually oftentimes is not going to be the thing that changes someone's mind. It's going to be the way that you love them. Yeah, it's certainly does. a difficult space to navigate and one that I think we're still learning, particularly as believers, to navigate. Mm-hmm. But it does, it is relevant to this conversation. Yeah. It comes back to counting that cost of comfort. Right. But then also balancing it with that cost of control. Are you trying to control people on social media? Right. Are you willing to sacrifice your comfort? It's, it takes a lot of wisdom. We yeah. should probably do a whole episode on that at some point. I actually actually. just made that connection now that you're saying it. Like that's what it was when I was a young Christian. I wanted to control the way that people thought, which mm. meant I just wanted them to think like me. I wanted them to have the same core values of me. But really that's manipulation. Mm. And control. I mean, it's it's control and manipulation with a great intent. Yeah. But it's control and manipulation nonetheless. Yeah. Right. Now, one of the things that I've heard that you guys and I say you guys as in the leaders are trying to. I don't know. From my perspective, sitting in the seats, that maybe you're trying to bring clarity to at the moment is altar calls. 
it does yeah. seem like we know there's this amazing revival that happens through the movement of Bethel. Yeah. And there's that hunger as well. But it seems to me, this is my perspective, yeah. and I'm not a leader in this church, so I can say this. It seems to me that that hunger often drives people just to come to the front for any altar call. But mm. there's sort of something specifically often in those altar calls yeah. that you're trying to reach. Am, am I assessing that correctly? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if I'm completely honest, the way that I speak, I never I never really think about ministry time at the end. And that's been a real challenge for me because that's um, Joaquin is he's like always ministry time. That's just his MO. He, and then even Eddie, like they lean way more into ministry time than I do. And I'm kind of like, here's my three point sermon. See ya, <laughs> you know, but like the way that they, he describes it to me, Joaquin is like, you know, we need to give people, we're not, we don't want this to become like a forced, like you have to come down the front. But at the same time, like if we can't give people an opportunity to respond, then we're missing out on a lot of people having these like life-altering encounters and I've been to the altar like I don't go to the altar for everything I don't like if it's like do you want more hunger I'm like well yeah I want more hunger I'm going to come to the altar for that but there are some moments where I'm like oh I don't feel like I need to go to the altar and it's not because I even have that um figured out in my life whatever the altar call is but it's oftentimes because it's like when I choose to go to the altar I want it to be a life-changing event I don't want it just to become a routine of my Saturday service you know so that's why whenever we do give an altar call we're giving an altar call for the people who that message touched and who want to respond to have one of those Jesus moments it doesn't mean hey it's mandatory for everyone to come down the front and if you don't come down the front then you're not willing to give up control or comfort or (laughs) calling you know like that's not what we're saying but everyone is on a different journey and we have a lot of guests as well that come in and out of our house and so you know if we hear every single week of salvation stories coming out of um bethel austin which is just i'm so humbled and thankful and grateful for that um but it is those moments like even if we do an altar call and it only affects the one person it's worth it for us Absolutely. And it's not to say if you do an altar call, say, say you need control broken off your mm-hmm. life and you felt in the spirit, this is the altar call we're going to do right now. And that's what it's for. You know, after that, there's still going to be plenty of time for people to come after that for other things totally. and meet with, with the prayer team and yeah. with the ministry team. Usually like the flow that we try to create is that we do the the altar call at the end of the message. And then Usually kind of after the person who's preaching has gotten down um, from leading that time is when the, um, the ministry time begins. Right. And then the other side of that is that you might stand in your seats and be like, oh, I don't want to go up there. But there is something powerful about just making a step and, and yeah. a movement towards something like it's the, the altar is not the power. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the altar is not the power. It's a meeting place. You can meet God in yes. your seat, but just sometimes there's something about stepping out. I think sometimes it's a prophetic act, you know, of just you stepping out of your comfort zone and taking that physical step that sometimes can like cause a spiritual breakthrough. And sometimes we don't need that. Sometimes God is going to meet us right in our chair and he's going to give us everything we need in that moment. And then other times he is going to ask us to get, again, uncomfortable and inconvenienced a little bit to yeah. show him that, hey, we actually really want this. This isn't, you know, we're willing to be inconvenienced to meet with you at the altar. That's amazing. Well, that's all amazing. I love the message. I love the theme of this message. I thought you delivered it incredibly. So, oh, yeah, thank, thank you. you for that. I know it's impacted Thanks. a lot of people um, on a tough, on what is kind of a spiritually tough 
um, Saturday night, but we <laughs> broke through. We we got through. Yeah, and we did we it. Did. What is the single big idea? Or the single practicality that you want people to take from this message that we can instill in our lives. We're not just going Saturday to Saturday, listening to messages and just going with the flow. We want to build. What's what's the brick we can put in the wall this week? I think, I mean, I keep saying it, but I think it's just revival costs something. Every revival that has happened in past generations, we look at it and we can want what it is, but we don't often look at the sacrifice of the one or the few that they made in order for that revival to come. And it's that whole fire falls on sacrifice. God's presence falls on a surrendered people. And so are we willing to get uncomfortable? Are we willing to let go of control? Are we willing to let go of what we think, you know, we should be doing in order for God to come the way that he wants to come? Because it can really only happen if people have have surrendered hearts. And it's the way that a lot of revivals are birthed. It's the way that a lot of revivals are sustained. Um, but yeah, just looking at our everyday lives and it's like, is, is that worth it to us? Is seeing our city transformed for Jesus worth it? Is, and if it is, then these are kind of some of the areas that we really need to start asking ourselves, like, have we become complacent in these areas or like, what are my non-negotiables even to see this happen? You know, um, that's yeah. So, good. so I think I think there's a big I mean, there's bubblings of revival happening in Austin already. You know, there has been for some time now. And I just I feel like it's like this undercurrent that's getting ready to kind of surge. And I feel like the Lord is just preparing the hearts of the people for what's to come. And and sometimes that's not just like, hey, are you willing to like experience joy and laughter? But it's like, hey, are you willing to experience all that revival brings with it? And sometimes that isn't fun stuff. But again, it's the transformation that will happen, not just in your life and your family's life, but in the city and in the nation. Is that worth it to you? Wow, it's amazing. I think that's so good. Spend some time with the Holy Spirit and ask, what are my non-negotiables? Yeah. What are my non-negotiables? That's amazing. Like our non-negotiable is that we will not bring our kids up not knowing revival. So yeah. whether, whether it's a revival that's happening in our family, whether it's a revival that's happening in our church, like we are putting our kids in miracle atmospheres, in presence-driven atmospheres. It's like one of our non-negotiables of how we raise our our kids. So amazing. So amazing. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for joining us on this Revival Recap. Remember that you can get more out of our journey together at BethelATX.com or go ahead and chat to one of our Connect coaches on a Saturday meeting. They love chatting. That's why they're there (laughs) because they're good chatters and they'll hook you up. Till next time, uh, bye-bye. See you then. Yeah, thanks so much and can't wait to see you on Saturday.